You're listening to Life in the Trenches, relatable, faith-filled conversations about everyday life to encourage and connect. Because at the end of the day, we're all in this life together. Welcome back. I'm your host, Melissa Sharp. So close friends of ours live in a quaint little suburb in New Hampshire. It's just a short drive over the state line to Boston, Massachusetts. The Hampton Beach in New Hampshire is a mere half an hour drive from their home. We've enjoyed summer family vacations, traveling to stay with our friends who are really more like family. The beach itself is everything you think of when it comes to summering on the shore. The Atlantic Ocean is stunning. The boardwalk seems to go on for miles. We've made traditions out of hitting up an awesome old school arcade, losing copious amounts of money on quarters, shopping in an epic candy store with the biggest selection of saltwater taffy you've ever seen. But the best is the small pizza shop tucked between every assortment of fried food that you can think of. It's hands down the best pizza we've ever eaten with its fluffy dough and authentic homemade marinara sauce. It's literally one of the highlights of our trips. We've toured the city of Boston itself a few times. Much of the history and the architecture lost on my young kids. But if you've never had the chance to do so, put it on your must-see list for future travel plans. The oldest American warship, the USS Constitution, resides there, docked on the water with active military. Its first voyage was in July of 1798. And in order to board the ship, you have to present your passport or photo ID and go through a search similar to that in customs in an airport. As we approached the officer at the scanner, he looked down at my daughter, Rachel, and asked her if she had anything in her pockets before she went through the metal detectors. She just shrugged her shoulders, pulled out the pockets from her shorts, and told the officer, nope, just dirt. (laughs) Touring the vessel was fascinating when you think of all the souls that have made that boat their home. The battles lost and won, strategies made at the captain's table, prisoners kept aboard. For creative types like me, having history at your literal fingertips is a thrill. A few years ago, I made the request to our friends that I would love to go to the small city of Cambridge, Massachusetts, which is nestled just outside of Boston. Cambridge is the home of the world-renowned Harvard University. Touring some of the greatest and oldest university campuses like Harvard has always been on my bucket list. The New York Public Library main branch in Manhattan is also on said list. And the first time I went there and I was able to peruse the Rose main reading room, I actually cried. I'm such a nerd. So on this beautiful, warm, sunny morning, we ventured out on the subway to the campus. Many current Harvard students work part-time as tour guides. 
You can pay a flat fare fee per person and have a student dressed up in what appears to be like a barbershop quartet costume take you on a full tour of the campus. They share lots of history and facts and an incredible amount of insight into what life is really like for a Harvard student. My husband and our friends indulged my quirky fascination with this institute of higher learning. Standing at the front gates, I could hear the tune to Carol King's classic song, Where You Lead, playing in my head as I channeled my inner Rory Gilmore. By the end of the tour, I bought the official Harvard sweatshirt for a bajillion dollars at a student-run store on campus, and I felt smarter having just walked the well-beaten paths. The campus itself truly is beautiful. In 2019, a scandal was uncovered of criminal conspiracy to gain admission to some of America's greatest colleges for the children of the rich and elite. It exploded all over every news outlet and social media platform. The code name for the investigation was called Operation Varsity Blues. Federal prosecutors charged 53 people in the investigation. 33 parents of college applicants were accused of paying more than $25 million between 2011 and 2018 to a man named William Rick Singer, the mastermind behind the entire scheme. Rick Singer created a company called The Key that was apparently a resource for future applicants. It was to help tutor them through the college application process. It's very different in the United States as it is in Canada. Rick Singer identified himself as a coach of sorts to help these students get into the schools of their choice, the most elite colleges in the United States of America. Basically, here in Canada, if you've got the grades and the tuition, you can pretty much get into any college or university of your choice. But that's not how things run there. On the inside, Singer had a few different ways he was able to help potential students and their parents. The first was called the front door. Now, the front door was a legitimate admission. The student achieving the grades and the accolades needed to make the admission on their own merit. This is how we assumed admissions were usually granted. The backdoor. Now, the backdoor admission that Singer provided was the process of making a donation directly to the university. That could run you up to $45 million to get into Harvard alone, he explained. And that doesn't even guarantee admission. And then there was the side door. The side door admission was paying a bribe to an official or a coach at the university by way of donating to the key worldwide, the nonprofit foundation arm of Singer's for-profit college counseling business, The Key. In March of this year, Netflix released their documentary, Operation Varsity Blues, The College Admissions Scandal. 
Now, the documentary movie profiled Singer and many of his elite parents who had fallen under Singer's spell and false promises using dramatic recreations of their interactions. Certainly not worthy of any film awards, but the film was enlightening, sharing with the public the inside of the scandal and the crooked mindset of many of these rich and famous parents who were involved. Really, what it was was a sad tale of entitlement at its worst. There was something early on in the film that caught my attention. It was said in the film, and I quote, It is typically accepted that Ivy League colleges are, quote, unquote, the best in the country. But all of those differences have almost nothing to do with the academics of the institution. U.S. News started ranking colleges in the 1980s based on one criteria, prestige. That's it. Prestige is actually a French word, and in the original French, it means something people don't realize. It means deceit. Wait, what? I had to research this truth bomb for myself. Oxford Languages defines the word prestige as widespread respect and admiration felt for someone or something on the basis of perception of their achievement or quality. Okay, let's break this down. Respect and admiration felt. Felt? Feelings are not facts, and anyone can have feelings of respect and admiration for anyone or anything. I mean, Nazi officers felt immense respect and admiration for Hitler and his ability to command an army, but I don't believe anyone today would look upon him as being prestigious. Now, he certainly was deceitful, and it's felt for someone or something on the basis of perception of their achievements or quality. The basis is our perception of what we see or feel? Perceptions are literally defined as being deceiving. We have no clue what it's like to walk in another person's shoes, live another person's reality, or truly understand another person's thoughts or mindset. So by definition, prestige in and of itself is an untruth. And the moment I heard it, I had to rewind to hear it again. My memory took me back to the moment I stood before the large, looming black gates of the Harvard campus, and it made me feel foolish. But honestly, upon further thought, I, I can't take away the many achievements and quality education Harvard has given to its many students over the years. World changers have graced the campus, and not just those with names that we recognize in the news and media but many who've led quiet lives, yet still making their mark on the world. So because of this, I choose to respect the institution, but I look at it with a different set of eyes now, because the last thing I want to be in this world is deceived. My achievements and accomplishments aren't defined by the world's standards, even though that is what we're literally taught. It's as if, if someone didn't see you do it 
or acknowledge your good works, then you really didn't do them. And sadly, that's how the world works and how we're conditioned to market ourselves in the world. We need to create the perception of ourselves that we desire people to see. Rick Singer was brilliant at this. He created an entire foundation and company raking in millions of dollars simply because he played up a confident image and he did everything within the power he created for himself to manipulate others into his schemes. It's not difficult to get others to believe in something that we're told holds value, glamour, and maybe a few bragging rights. I've come to believe that one of the most difficult life lessons that we need to learn on our personal journey is who we are and to live in that truth. For me, my truth is that I'm simply a child of God and in Him I can fulfill my purpose. In the world of psychiatry, the term is called self-actualization. It's defined as this, the realization or fulfillment of one's talents and potential, especially considered as a drive or need present in everyone. Self-actualization puts the pressure on me. The drive or need to succeed has to come from me. And if I don't have it, or if I lose that drive for some reason, that tells me it's all my fault and there's something wrong with me. Acknowledging that God is actually the master of my fate takes the burden off of my heart, my spirit, and my soul so that I can live the life that actually fulfills me. It's going to take a lot of work, hard work. Anything good doesn't come easy. We have to try and try our best. But I don't want to hide who I am, and I can't hide who God made me to be, especially from Him. Because at the end of my life, I'm going to walk through those pearly gates and I want to be able to tell him that I've hidden nothing. There's nothing in my pockets, not even dirt. Thanks for listening today. I hope that you feel enlightened yourself and that you, like me, don't want to walk through this life being deceived. I'm going to look upon things that the world deems as prestigious very differently and be very careful with what I believe.